0: Hi everyone. I'm Claudia Sarek. And I'm Kristen Hawley. And this is a three-part mini-series from So You Want to Run a Restaurant, where we're covering the top problems facing restaurants and how tech can help solve them. Today we're joined by Anthony Tayun, the co-founder of Dexi Robotics. Dexi Robotics has created Alfred, a robot sous-chef capable of handling basic kitchen tasks. Think prepping vegetables, scooping ice cream, or assembling a salad. With labor shortages at the top of many operators' minds these days, automated solutions such as Alfred have the potential to change the way restaurants think about staffing their kitchens, both in terms of the amount of staff needed and how existing staff can be deployed. Deployed. So we're excited to have Anthony on with us today, not only to talk about Alfred and Dexi, but about the many exciting ways automation and robotics are transforming restaurant kitchens. Thanks for joining Kristen and I today,
1: Anthony. Thank you, Claudia. It's, uh, it's great to be here.
2: Great. I am so curious to hear how you came to make Alfred, um, especially, you know, what was going on in the market um, that prompted you to, to create this kind of technology.
1: Yeah, I guess, uh, in hindsight, it makes a lot more sense in today's environment than it did when we first set out and and started working on on Alfred. Um, We started three years ago um, when technology was starting to catch up to the point where tasks like this became possible. Specifically, uh, my co-founder Dave was working on a a research uh, um, project that allowed robots to manipulate deformable materials. At the same time, I was taking a class at Harvard Business School about uh, opportunities and challenges in the restaurant industry. And every single guest we had kept saying that uh, labor shortages are their biggest issue right now and they wish they can can get help in that area. Looking at the technology side, we realized that that was possible. And so we started figuring out ways uh, to create an automation solution that restaurant operators can benefit from to help alleviate that labor shortage. Now, obviously, uh, a couple of years later, that shortage only became even more acute right. due to general labor conditions and also uh, things like COVID. And, and right now, it's, um, it's really, in our opinion, the best, uh, best solution out there to help restaurateurs tackle this, this labor shortage.
2: Yeah, that was a really prescient observation. Like, I mean, you know, in some ways I I wrote down like, so you got lucky. I was taking notes, but, but, (laughs) but, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a problem that existed before COVID and, and was Mm -hmm. made considerably worse by the conditions we find ourselves in. Um, So what, what can Alfred do in the kitchen?
1: Great question. Um, right now, Alfred can assemble uh, meals. So anything that can be assembled by using utensils to 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 add ingredients that are normally in like a hotel pan layout, which is a mm-hmm. standard layout for restaurants. So think something like a chipotle or a sweet green or your high school cafeteria. Um, really anywhere where food is just assembled. That's our first use case. From that, we want to to add on more things uh, like Claudia alluded to in the beginning. Um, from using a grill, a fryer, um, uh, or even prep. So cutting, slicing, dicing. And all of that is possible with the same piece of hardware. Most of that stuff will be over the air software upgrades. And so we're thinking of Alfred really as this tool that restaurants can use to automate a lot of their kitchen tasks
0: mm mm-hmm. th- So I think when a lot of people hear robot chef, they envision human staff being entirely replaced, but that isn't necessarily always the case. So can you speak a little bit more about how this automation can be used to shift the division of labor among the restaurant staff?
1: Absolutely. And, and, um, the first task that we're focused on is something this assembly task is something that very few people enjoy or like to do because it's the repetitive monotonous part of the job, right? So people enjoy creating new recipes. They enjoy the hospitality aspect of a food service, but not so much the monotonous, uh, activity, whether you're in the back or in the front of just assembling things and doing the same repetitive tasks over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from our standpoint, we believe that uh, a chef de technologie is how we're calling this this new role. Basically a role for a kitchen staff member to interface and interact with a robot and have the robot be their own personal tool that they can use to become more effective and efficient at, at doing their job. So imagine a chef wants to try out five, six different variations of a recipe. They can push a couple buttons and the robot would create all those recipes for them and then they can just try it out. Um, imagine uh, um, the, the other way to think about this is um, similar to what a microwave does, um, and we see the robot as a very, very similar use case, right? So the microwave will never run on its own; it still needs someone to run it. It still, it's it's just one tool that helps you do the cooking process more efficiently and effectively. And we view the robot quite similarly to that.
2: How much training does a chef need to have to operate it? It's
1: simpler than you would expect um it's really similar to how you would interface with a with a tablet or a mobile phone Um, most of the times the if it's in the back of the house you punch in what salad or what um, order you want the robot to do on a tablet and then the robot will just go and do it and then from time to time the robot will tell you things like hey i'm running out of chicken please refill it or I can't find the utensil that I'm supposed to use to grab the lettuce, and so the the operator or the staff member would have to address these, these uh, issues. Addressing them is literally as simple as putting the utensils back in place and pushing a button on the tablet. So it's pretty straightforward, easy to use.
2: Okay, and everything you're describing is, like available today, like Alfred can do this today, or this is things that are coming.
1: The assembly part is all available today. So today we have a robot in our kitchen and we've installed in a couple different locations where, you know, you can push what the recipe is. Say you want to do 10 chicken Caesar salads. As long as the ingredients are in place, Alfred will pick up the utensils, use a camera to see how much food is left in every bin, scoop the the right ingredient and prepare the, the recipe.
2: Okay. And in the places that you have installed it, in the restaurants that you've installed it in, is it, do they purchase it? Is it a licensing model? Is it some other arrangement?
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. Our preferred model is to use this as a pay-as-you-go, so robots okay. as a service. Um, in other words, the restaurant owner would pay um, $1 or $2 for every bowl that the robot makes, and that would be the entire cost, which includes servicing, oh. maintenance, installation, everything from, mm. from A to Z. That's different um, than do. a
2: lot of your competitors, right? Who are, have restaurants paying a monthly fee?
1: Yeah, absolutely. This... And I think okay. I think from our perspective, we want the incentives to be very aligned between us and the customer. And so in other words, if the customer is selling more, then, uh, then we are... Happy because they're using the robot more, and so the technology is helping them more. And if they're not using it, we don't want to penalize them for that, right? If they can't, if they, if there's not enough demand, or if, if for whatever reason uh, there's not enough product being produced, um, we don't want to penalize our customers for that. And so that's why we shied away from the the flat monthly fee and moved instead to something that's fully variable. Yeah. It also makes it a little bit easier for um, the customers to understand and handle their costs better. So the cost now of assembly becomes fully variable as opposed to being something that's kind of semi-variable where it like, doesn't really scale with volume. Yeah.
0: So let's just say an operator says, okay, I'm ready to try this. I'm ready to take on the investment and do this. What sort of things should they be thinking about or what are the, you know, what are some of the pros and cons here?
1: Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a good question. And frankly, we're, we're still at a very early stage. So we're also learning a little bit with our customers and yeah. taking in a lot of their feedback. Um, I think right now the process is, um, is us understanding what recipes and ingredients they use, generating a layout that can work with a robot. Normally, we like to pilot the solution a little bit to make sure they're happy and comfortable with the, with the product and that we are able to deliver the quality and level of service that they want. Um, and then that can become um, a full install if if everyone's happy with the pilot. I think some of the considerations are there are still some limitations to the technology. For instance, uh, picking up a single piece of chicken breast is, is quite challenging today, and that's not just us, that's robotics in general, mm-hmm. picking up a single piece of something that deforms. Um, things that scoop using regular utensils are easier to handle today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that... The general, um, the general thought to keep in mind is that because the technology is still very uh, new, there's a lot of room for improvement. But there's also a lot of exciting things that you can help shape up in terms of like what to do next, what features to add to the to the product, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you, I was going to ask. Um you know, then I I suppose it makes sense that what we're seeing in robotics right now is a lot of bowls and salads and like the vending machine style stuff because of what you're saying that it's easier. Um, Do you think like, do you think that the future promise of robotics in the kitchen will continue to be constrained by what's easy or are, you know, companies like yours working to figure out how to Pick up a piece of chicken or um, some, you know, other ingredients that are obviously just as valuable to consumer taste, but are perhaps <laughs> harder to teach a machine to deal with. Like really, like I yeah. don't want to just eat convenience bowls for the rest of my life because they're the cheapest and easiest to make.
1: No, that's 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 fair. Um, yeah, I think frankly, I think it's it's inevitable that many of these things will be added. We are already working on uh, grilling, for example, which requires picking up a piece of steak and we have already a few videos on our website that show this. So it's certainly possible. I think only now that the technology, both on the hardware and software side, became capable and cheap enough to make this possible at scale in in a commercial setting. So I think it's only a question of time for this to, to become more prevalent and more tasks to be automated. Having said that, I don't think we will see a fully automated restaurant anytime soon. And that's frankly largely driven by uh, consumer preferences. So you know, the hospitality aspect of being in a restaurant is still central to the experience. and having that delivered by another human being is still essential and central to that experience and i don't think that's ever going to go away or at least not in the short term similarly on the creative side of of cooking or food service you know coming up with new recipes creating new things or new new uh, food types will continue to be done by a person for, for the time being. And I think what technology will change is it will enable new ways of cooking things that were just simply not possible before. For example, if you want um, to, to make some modification to a recipe while it cooks inside an oven, you can't do that as a person because it's just too hot. right? It's just mm-hmm. dangerous. With a robot or with some form of automated solution, you're now able to do that. And I think that will just create interesting and new ways to cook that weren't possible before.
2: That's
0: interesting. I think it's funny, too, that the chicken is the hardest thing to do. Sorry, but I think of that being like the easiest thing to do to pick up and move something. So I'm like, wow! Don't they have like spatula hands where they can just go and like pick it up and move it? But apparently, no. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, it's uh, there's a lot that goes into that um, from a contamination perspective. For example, you have oh, to be sure. careful, uh, you know, which what to touch with what you with with which utensil. Um, the it's it's. There's a lot of feedback that you get from your fingers and from your hands yeah. that is actually quite difficult to get to, to teach to a machine. Interesting. Right? Um, it's easy for you to tell if um, you hit an obstacle because you can also double check with your eyes and with your other senses. For the machine, it's not easy to distinguish that I hit the right thing or that mm-hmm. I hit an obstacle that I should have avoided. And so, mm-hmm. teaching all of that to to, automa- to automation solutions is is really where the big challenge uh, lies.
2: Yeah. When you were at Harvard, did you think you'd get so excited about a machine picking up a piece of meat? <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: what can I ask? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a valid question. Um, I've been fascinated by robots my whole life, to be honest. So anything that a robot could do, would would make me very, very excited. I did not have in mind that I would be eating uh, a lunch from a robot every day, uh, you know, a year after graduating. Certainly mm-hmm. not, but it's uh, it's a great surprise.
2: Yeah. <laughs> cool. I yeah. Um, I, I do want to ask about one thing that you touched on, which is safety. Um, specifically, your, your example of, you know, being able to reach into the oven, for example, is very interesting. Um, And I think there are a lot of safety implications. I talked to a restaurateur actually from New Zealand about robotics, and they were most excited about the fact that it could help keep, just the the technology, it could help keep their staff safe, whether it was cooking or heat or lifting heavy ingredients, moving things from place to place. Um, Are there any other like positive safety implications that you see robotics being able to you know solve for whether now or in the future in a kitchen
1: Absolutely. I think um, most of it has to do with also the ingredients themselves and how to handle them. For instance, um, we're adding a thermal camera um, and thermal detection capabilities to our robot, such that the, the, the robot then can tell um, the staff if any of the food ingredients is coming closer to a temperature that is not safe for food storage. right? And that can happen in real time, as opposed to having periodic checks that the, the employee would do today. Um, from a contamination perspective, uh, the computer vision system that we have in the robot is able to detect individual ingredients and, and can tell them apart. So say you have a piece of, of nuts that falls in one of the salads, you can very easily alert the consumer that, hey, this has nuts. If you have a nut allergy, you should be careful uh, you know, in terms of consumption and whatnot. Oh. And um, the That's robot can do that with a... Yeah, exactly. And, and the robot can do this with quite a bit of, of precision um, which could be helpful on a continuous basis. Um, another way to think about this is the robot can take um, videos of every salad it assembles, or every bowl or meal it assembles, and so you, as a consumer, is now able to are now able to audit um uh the the meal that you ordered for any safety reason be it allergen contamination how fresh the food is um you know the temperature if it's something that's cooked on a grill you know all that's that that data becomes available to you for you to make a judgment call as well as the restaurant on whether that or not that is safe or not Hmm, interesting
0: So have you gotten that feedback that consumers that I'm curious about the response from consumers in general, and is that something that you've seen that consumers want? I'm also thinking too, if you've seen people are excited to get a meal that's prepared by a robot, I know that's kind of a hot thing. And I feel like people think about the Jetsons when they think, when they, when they think about this sometimes. So, uh, and I know you talked a little bit about, you also don't want to lose that personal touch of, and the, the restaurant experience as well. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, frankly, today, what's top of mind for people is um viral and microbial contamination and Mm -hmm. so people are very excited about the safety aspect of robotics from a from a standpoint of hey this will not transmit any diseases even though it's been shown that covid and whatnot doesn't really get transmitted that much through food, um, I think still people have this this perception that uh, well other diseases do get transmitted through food. Um, And so robotics is is a very helpful solution in that regard. Um, I think the other other side of of your question is is, uh, about excitement when, when people see this. And um, I think everywhere we take the product or we install it, people we see lines basically around the block. Um, it's, it's very mesmerizing to yeah. see the robot in action, especially when it's a robotic arm. So it's quite elaborate movements. Um, it's interesting when you see it avoid obstacles. What I find most interesting, and some people like a lot, is the fact that the robot learned on its own through artificial intelligence to scrape the edges of the bins to get more food into into the utensil, and that's always very interesting to see. You know, like to see a machine learn to scrape the edges because that's where most of the food is. So it learned is, it on its very, own. You said. Yeah. So so the way we train our robots is we let them. <laughs> Sorry, I'm making a, a terrified
2: face. Hold on. I know. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, what? Um, no, well, please continue the way no. you, train. <laughs> I, would, I, I'm actually, no, i I'm very interested to hear how the, the kind of training that you, that you do, given that they are relying on artificial intelligence to sort of evolve. Yeah.
1: yeah uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's, uh, the robots need to learn how to portion the food effectively, right? So mm-hmm. if, say you want a few ounces of this ingredient the robot needs to know what what that means and so the way we do that is we build this software infrastructure that lets robots learn by doing so we would give the robot a utensil we would tell it where that ingredient is and then we would ask the robot to just scoop you know several hundreds or several thousands of times that same ingredient over and over again noting down what the weight is in every in every instance and what that does is the robot then learns to move in certain ways to pick up a certain amount of ingredient that we wanted to pick up, right? And with time, the robot then learns strategies like, hey, if you put the, you know, a scooper upside down, you're gonna spill all the food. Um, Similarly, it would also learn that if you scrape the edges and the corners, that's normally where the food lumps up. And so you can pick up a larger amount. And so just seeing the robot learn this stuff on its own is just very, um, very interesting.
2: And you can tell it no at any time, right?
1: <laughs> like, what do you mean?
2: Like you can say like, nope, don't do that.
1: Bad oh, absolutely. Idea. Absolutely. Okay. So <laughs> spinach is a big one uh, that we say no to. Any um, fast motions that would uh, collide with other things in the space uh, are a big no-no. Um, the order of things matter, right? So like which ingredient to put in first matters. Mm-hmm. And so that is also something we teach. There's a little bit of... of um, guidelines that we have to to put to the system and then it's learning what's good and what's bad um, largely on its own and sometimes driven by us.
2: So we touched on this a little bit when I was asking about you know the chicken but um, when I think about automation and what's in the market now you know what you have you have pizza salad bowls um, that just feels a lot like homogenization and like we're just moving toward more of the same because that's what a robot can produce right like if you talk to someone who's a pizza robot it's like oh you customize the toppings and it's your your own sauce and your dough and your recipes and your thing but at the end of the day like you can only do you know you can only be this big and it can only have this many toppings or whatever it is um and I think you know, in some cases, consistency is awesome, um, and you know, you see this with the rise, the rise of chain restaurants and their success in America, um, and like a known quantity. And then in some sp- in some ways, it's it's not. So if in the future there are thousands of Alfreds all over the place, which would be great for you, um, how much should we be worried about all food looking the same or all food being constructed the same, or you know, we're kind of stuck eating? What the what the robot can make because that's most efficient in a labor crunch.
1: Yeah, this is this is an excellent question, and it actually reflects uh, quite a big, uh, quite a few big um, decisions on the design that we 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 took very early on. Specifically, we made two uh, major decisions that make our product quite different from the other ones in the market. Um, specifically. We wanted the, the product to be more generalizable than a lot of the task-specific solutions out there. So we don't want to build a product that can do only pizzas or only burgers or only salads. You know, it's it's something we're starting with the bowl product because we want to reach um, enough um, uh, experience in the market and with customers to understand what really works and get to a stage where we can scale. Um, but eventually We want the robot to do as many of the kitchen tasks as possible, and that means extending to different cuisines, different types of cooking, different types of tools. And you can also see this in some of the the accessories that we use with the robot. So, for instance, we're using off-the-shelf utensils with some modifications in the back so that the robots can pick them up. And similarly, we have this approach where any tool really that's used in the kitchen today, we want to be able to adapt that tool so that it becomes robot compatible to open up all of those those possibilities that, that you touched on, Kristen. And I think the second big um, design choice that we made that would enable that further is we wanted to retrofit into existing kitchens and existing stores. So we, we see our solution as something that can go and, and be retrofitted into um, um, the existing kitchen furniture that you have without you having to make any large capital-intensive modifications to the restaurant. And when both of these things are, are possible, and that's why we had to invest a lot in computer vision for the robot to be able to adapt to the layout and to the setup and not the other way around, But those two things combined enable you to then, you know, you want to use the robot for prep, great, then you take it, wheel it into the prep kitchen, set it on the prep table, and now it's going to prep for you. You want to go and use it for pizzas? No problem. You take it off, you wheel it to the pizza station, and now it's doing pizza for you. And I think that generalization, and again, I go back to the microwave example here, I think that's central for success, and it's central to keep the food service experience as similar as possible to what we have today, but with more help and, and assistance from technology.
2: Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I want to ask, too, just about the market generally. I think it was you know pretty big news when Sweetgreen bought Spice, the robotic salad restaurant in Boston, for its technology, which they have said publicly that they plan to scale um, mm-hmm. in kind of the same way, you know, to help... To help their staff, not to necessarily replace them, and to be able Mm -hmm. to scale their business, is that kind of the exit strategy for a young robotics company to to sell to one restaurant group, Um, or you know, or like, what do you see the future of your business?
1: Um, Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Frankly, it's it's still a little bit unclear how that space will mature. The acquisition by Sweet Green is is maybe one of the first, if not the first, acquisition by a large restaurant group of a technology company that, that is, is able to directly affect how food is prepared. Mm-hmm. Most other acquisitions have been more in the back of the house, um, you know, I, IT systems, things like that, that doesn't necessarily affect how the food assembly or food preparation operation goes. Um, so that's still a little bit unclear. We believe that we want to help transform how food is being prepared everywhere. And that means that we would like to extend beyond just a single restaurant group or whatnot. Eventually, we believe that the solution will be uh, capable and accessible enough that people can use it in their homes. So our long-term vision is to go and and automate many kitchens in a commercial setting. But eventually, we believe firmly that the, the solution will be capable and affordable enough that it can go in everyone's homes and i think to do that we might have to shy away from from those um single uh, maybe outlet acquisitions and instead focus on building the longer term larger vision that we're trying to get to
2: Mm -hmm. have you seen indications that there's going to be a market for that
1: um, I think we see it way more on the on the technology side. So, for mm-hmm. instance, the, the robotic solutions that are coming out now uh, are getting cheaper and cheaper. And I think we already started seeing ones that are cheap enough that can go into the home. It's still unclear how that's going to look like. Um, I think, obviously, in the beginning, it's going to be a, a more premium offering that is a little bit more restricted. But as time goes by and as... as companies like ours get more scale, it will become more and more affordable. In terms of demand, uh, frankly, it's, it's, we haven't seen strong indications either way. Some people are huge fans of, of technology to help in, in day-to-day activities. Other people just still enjoy the act of cooking because it, you know, it's this, this nice uh, uh, nice activity that you can still do at home. And I think the pandemic actually reminded many people of how enjoyable that activity is. Having said that, I think there's a lot of value that you can bring in the kitchen that abstracts away many of the activities that you don't enjoy while you still enjoy cooking. Like, I don't know, if you want to boil something and you don't want to keep watching the stove all the time, you can set it on, have a robot take care of it, and then you can go and do something else, right? Um, but it remains to be seen how how much demand there is for, for a solution like this.
2: So you know, there was the Sweet Green Spice acquisition um, and then on the kind of the other side of the industry, you know, DoorDash bought a robotics company, um, Chalbotics, which is like had Sally the salad robot. Um, I've I've heard uh, that they are making some moves uh, approaching operators about it. Um, and you know, from from their perspective as a marketplace, you know, they want to also add value to like all of these existing restaurants, um, which sort of goes into my next question, which is like robotics and delivery. Um, And, you know, there's been a lot of... (laughs) exciting announcements on that front but I wouldn't say there's like too much news um, other than like things are coming or we have partnerships or we're experimenting um, do you think that robotics and automation has a big part to play in the future of uh, food delivery as well
1: absolutely I think it's a very natural uh, place to play and it's it's probably going to be one of the first and it already is one of the first uh, areas to play um, for for many reasons on the one hand uh, as we discussed earlier it helps normalize Costs quite a bit. It helps normalize uh, quantities, so portions and, and things of that nature. It helps reduce a lot of the error rates that you see a lot in delivery because you don't have this, this uh, immediate customer feedback loop. Um, and so I think it, it it's a very natural place uh, for automation to start. Having said that, I think for the automation itself, whether it's delivery or front of the house or back of the house frankly, it doesn't really change that much of how the, the automation needs to perform. I think the performance needs are a little bit lighter in delivery because you don't have a consumer right in front of you. So you can afford to make a mistake. You can afford to be slower. You know, Things like that are a little bit easier. So it's, it's a more natural place to start. But uh, fundamentally, I think, you know, there's no difference in how food is prepared in delivery or in a, in a place where you're uh, eating consuming the food uh, on the spot. Um, the only big area that's different is with delivery. You have to do a lot more packaging, and you don't care about plating, for instance, as much, both of which are areas where uh, robotic or general traditional automation solutions can bring a lot of value.
0: Okay, so... I guess we talked about the consumer a little bit and that the consumer is excited. What's been the feedback from the restaurant staff, the owners, the operators that are using this that you've seen so far?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a, a really good one. Initially, we were a little bit skeptical um, that staff uh, staff members might be a little bit reluctant to try a new technology to try something that's that's as um, prominent in the kitchen. Um, and honestly, the the reactions have been uh, very delighted and a little bit different from our expectations. So people, uh, the staff members in in kitchens where we've uh, worked and installed those robots have always been very excited to have something like this uh, work alongside them. Many of them end up taking pictures, videos, and just enjoy being around the robot in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, you know, it's very interesting to see people... For us, it, it becomes difficult to realize how, how novel and interesting and, and um, attractive the robot is. And every time we take it to a kitchen, we find that the interaction between the staff members and the robot is very seamless. So they, they get it very quickly, a lot of times faster than we got it, to be honest. And uh, they enjoy looking at the robot and watching it uh, uh, do its thing. And it's, it's, it's been pretty positive from that standpoint.
0: Do you think it's helped from the word of mouth standpoint, like operators talking to other operators about it?
1: Um, not yet, to be honest, I think we're not, we don't have enough scale yet for this to be uh, meaningful. Yeah. Um, I think it's just the natural re- reaction of seeing something, you know, move yeah. elaborately and, and do things for you. Right. It's just, right. I think there's something about human nature that we enjoy, um, seeing and, and, uh, benefiting from automation around us. It's just something that's very satisfactory, I guess
0: yeah fantastic well looking forward to this space um i'm hoping that one day i'll see similar to the boston robotics videos i see on youtube like a backflip robot that's going to be flipping a burger and then backflipping to make (laughs) my salad and then running over here to make my milkshake i think that would be really cool too so i have high hopes for this space
1: (laughs) yeah hopefully that's uh, closer than you think
0: (laughs) yes well thanks so much for joining us today anthony this has been a pleasure
1: thank you thanks for the opportunity
0: Wanna hear more listeners? Then you need to head to backofhouse.io where you can find the latest on restaurant technology, food service industry news, a ton of free how-to guides, like how to digitize your space, how to work with food influencers, the latest on restaurant relief, and more interviews with industry experts. And while you're there, Definitely remember to sign up for their free weekly newsletter, Eat.News. Back of House has a team of food service industry writers and journalists who cut through the noise and give you the headlines that you really need to see each week. This is honestly one of the best weekly food service focused newsletters I've ever read or seen, and I wouldn't say that if it weren't true. Follow us on Twitter at BOH underscore podcast and at We Are Back of House on all other platforms.